Tonight on episode 4.2, I guess, we are ready for our Medicine of Midnight. We just can't quit you, Foo Fighters. First Chorus Verse is coming up now. Welcome to Verse Chorus Verse. I'm David Liston. With me is the Slapmaster Sven Knutsen. Sven, how are you tonight? I'm feeling good. Yeah. It's been a long week. I'm excited to dig into this. I gotta uh, say, you've got a little bit of a glazed look in your eyes tonight. You look like you've been through a couple battles this week or something. It's It's been a long week. It's been a long week. Yeah, a lot of tedious tasks this week. Uh, yesterday I spent I don't know, there's three hours of my day mixing a snare drum. That was fun. Really? But it sounds good now. <laughs> Is that a project for your work? Yeah, 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 yeah. A band recording, just trying to get things dialed in so that sounds sounds legit and <laughs> good. Do you work for Cathedral of the Rockies? That's my main gig. I do. I have a lot of clients there. I call them my day job. That's probably what I commit most of my time to. Mm-hmm. And then I take on extra little event gigs here and there uh, like virtual stuff and recording stuff or every now and then someone just wants me to edit something or master something nice do you know do you know carol ray i feel like that name <laughs> sounds familiar but i i not, no no she just does a lot of volunteer work there but that's my grandma ah, so if you ever meet carol ray be nice to her gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> was the snare for church band or are you working with a whole other yeah no this one was um it was it was a church band it sounds great live it's great kit and the drummer's awesome it's just usually after the fact I like things to sound a really certain way, mm-hmm. and when they don't, then I just get obsessed. Um, it's typical for me to spend hours on just, like, one instrument. Yeah. At some point, I'm sure that you and I are going to start doing music together again, and that's going to be really interesting because I feel like we've both gotten probably a 37 times more anal <laughs> since we were in a band together when we already were pretty anal about things, so... I feel like it's going to take us at least 12 years to cut an album. So that, that's going to be interesting. It'll be the next uh, awesomest yeah. 12 years of my life. We're going to be like Tool, but without the, you know, fans. <laughs> without the- <laughs> so this is, uh, I'm just calling it episode 4.2 because we're still on the Foo Fighters. I, I don't know how you feel, Sven, but I feel like I've been listening to the Foo Fighters solely for like a fucking month. Yeah. I don't want to say I'm Foo Fighters out, but man, I've listened to a lot of Foo Fighters. <laughs> yeah, I'm not burned out on it by any means, I guess, in, in some weird way. But yeah, tons and tons and tons. It's been good. It's almost ceremonious. Tonight, I kind of had my last hoorah with the Foo Fighters. I, I know I'm going to So you're going to pack them up? And <laughs> I'm definitely going to take a nice break from the Foo Fighters. And this felt a little bit like a... Yeah, like a saying goodbye to the the Foo Fighters just because I've listened to them at least once a day, every day for so long. And yeah, yeah. I will say like my new hype thing now to get ready for this podcast, because any other night I usually go to bed at nine o'clock and that's when we start doing this podcast, which we have to do because we have kids. And if we don't, then it's just going to be a nightmare. So now what I do is at about 830, I open up a Red Bull and from now on, I'm going to turn on Everlong. And I'm going to just air drum the shit out of it. I did that tonight, and man, I got so hyped and ready for this podcast. That's some cardio right there. That's all I know. 
even air drums it's it's actually air drums is harder because you're way more exaggerated with your movements and you don't get the The bounce back the bounce back yes so yeah tonight we are ending our foo fighters for now I mean, eventually, someday, they're going to come out with another album. And who knows? Maybe something else will happen someday. Maybe Dave Grohl's just going to call us and say, hey, can I come on? Because I want to straighten you guys out. You know, which I guess I'm okay with. I think we'll have time. Maybe. We'll see. So tonight, what we were doing is we are reviewing Medicine at Midnight. This is the album that just came out by the Foo Fighters. This is the first time that Sven and I have really, since this became a thing, been able to listen to an album at the same time that neither of us had heard. We haven't talked about it at all. We've wanted to, but we haven't... I don't think we've said one sentence about this album to each other, except for that, wow, we really, really want to talk about it. That's been hard. It has, right? Yeah. The first time you hear this... You need to talk to somebody that... <laughs> you need to talk to another person that knows yeah. Foo Fighters. Because there's a lot to, to talk about. It really is. I'm, I'm excited. So let's go ahead and get into it. First and foremost, the most important part of this whole shebang. Sven, what are you drinking tonight? Ooh. Let me take a big shot in the dark. Feel like maybe you're drinking a little bit of Woodford. Yeah, I'm finishing that off. It's almost gone. It's almost gone. <laughs> But then I've got a, a, a nice little Elysian Dayglo IPA. That's my real showstopper right it's there got a tonight. Green tiger in the front. So with like lasers coming like out of that. its eyes. I don't know. I drink anything with lasers coming out of their eyes. It is an awesome can. Well done. And I'm a can collector. That's that's part of the. That's why you cut the bottom of your you, beers. Yes. Then. You keep seeing me post pictures of me cutting the the. I open the beer from the bottom. Yeah. Sven posts pictures of his beers every friday saying hey friday night what's everybody drinking which i love yeah he always does it showing the pop back in the bottom of the can that's it then then the top is nice and pristine one of life's riddles have been answered for me i love it i made a chipino tonight so to go with that i made a pisco sour which is very yummy it's just pisco lime juice a little bit of simple syrup and some bitters Oh, and egg white. I just like the frothiness. It's just a fr- yeah. And then I brought beer up here too. I brought, I've got Hazy Rock from Pelican, Pelican. Brewing Company. That's your favorite brewery, isn't it? Yeah. Shh, Dave Grohl might be listening. He'll find out you're cheating on Coors Light. <laughs> and, and Jaeger. <laughs> After, for everybody that listened to the last episode, which if you didn't, go back and check it oh, out. Yeah. The amount that I had to edit because of how much the Jaeger had messed me up. It was bad, man. If you're a person that really likes to make fun of people while they're kind of half slurring through a deep conversation, go back and listen to the last episode because that's exactly what that was. That was good times though. I don't know. In honor of Grohl, we, we drank some Coors Light and Jaeger, but we had a blast and the episode turned out really it was well done so i yes. i'm very pleased with it even if we forgot what numbers we were on and and a few little things at the end <laughs> oh well top 17 <laughs> something it was worth it yeah all right so we've got what we're drinking tonight we're gonna go ahead and take a small break we'll be right back all right We are back. All right. This week, both David and I 
are gonna talk about Medicine at Midnight, the newest release from Foo Fighters. Medicine at Midnight, the new Foo Fighters just came out, I think it was February 5th. We yes. are recording this on February 13th, a week after it came out. I just got the vinyl three days ago. I think we've discussed the, the little singles that get released ahead of albums, not just this one, but you try to avoid those as much as possible until the actual album hits. Drops. I did not listen, listen to, to one second of this album until it dropped on Spotify. You're a better man than mine. Uh, maybe, but or it may just be my, it may just be a curse. Were you like, as soon as the songs were coming out, you were, you were totally getting into it i wasn't searching but there was i had a playlist that it's not one that i create but i follow on spotify um this one it's it's just someone's playlist that i follow and they throw a lot of stuff on there that yeah, i like that's one of the many many perks of spotify is, is the whole share playlist things I, I love that so much the only thing that i'm going to start saying at the beginning of podcasts that i haven't been and Hopefully, in the times that we can't get the rights to the music, people are listening along with us right. with these albums, finding out what we're going to review that week and listen to it a couple times themselves, because that way I feel like you're going to be able to interact a lot more with the episodes mm -hmm. and uh, you know write us and tell us why we're so stupid. I'll do a little bit of facts about it, just a really a baseline. This album, I steered completely clear of any reviews, so I have no idea what the world is thinking about this. I read one article that was on NPR to get information on this because I knew NPR wasn't going to be like, this disastrous or this epic. I read quote. the same article, I believe. Mm. I, needed to, I needed to research some follow-up facts for one credit that I noticed on the album. Awesome. <laughs> and I got a lot of my facts from this NPR thing, which is really not that much. They did this in an old house in Encino, Cali, that apparently they said was haunted, that they, all this creepy shit yeah. was happening in the house. And because of that and i don't know if it was also a covid thing being around people they really try to get done with this album as quickly as possible kind of the opposite of wasting light where they all just lived in dave's house and hung out and yeah, ate out. and all that stuff yeah. no this they were just trying to get in and out that and i'm sure greg kirsten probably charges a pretty penny so yes and greg kirsten he also did concrete and gold right it was concrete and gold that he did Yes, yep. So he's done the last two. He's very much a pop producer. It surprised me that they picked him because, yeah, pop, Donna Summers, Pink, Britney Spears, Kesha. Adele. So Yeah, Adele. Yeah. So they did Greg Kirsten, which does not bode well for Sven because that was kind of one of the things I don't think Sven liked about Concrete and Gold that we talked about in the last episode was he... Oh, okay, okay. We'll, we'll clarify, though. Yeah, not trying yeah. to put words in your mouth. It's not that I don't like this. I think that's, that's an appropriate way to release something it depends on the actual album and the songs mm -hmm. some i like huge dynamic ranges i can't imagine listening to like i'm gonna go extreme listening to classical music that's been compressed like a pop song yeah it'd be horrible yeah but then on the other end if you're gonna listen to like an edm track that is mixed like a classical album with giant <laughs> dynamic swings where soft is like almost inaudible and then loud is yeah maxing out you're not going to dance to it. you got to find a balance. That's kind of what they said is apparently they said this in the same article. Apparently they were going for a dance album. That, that was the first thing I thought. The expression that kept coming up was they were trying to make Foo Fighters 
David Bowie's Let's Dance album. That's apparently that's what they were going for with this. I've got right here by the first line of my notes, initial thoughts. What the fuck? Is this a dance album? (laughs) Yes, it's a dance album. So there you go. I'm just reading my. (laughs) To go along with that, the first thing I thought of when I turned this album on for the first time and listened to it, it was actually the day. It was last Saturday, right before we were doing our Foo Fighters podcast. I listened to it once all the way through. I was building something in my kitchen and kind of half listening. The first thing that popped in my head, and I want to ask you, is it me? Is it just a thing that pops in my head every time because it gets brought up in every episode? Or is it every single band is just influenced by this person? Or have we just gotten lucky the last four episodes, but Prince gets brought up <laughs> every I... <laughs> single fucking episode. Is it just me? Am I just obsessed with Prince? Or it, has it been legit these last like four Dude, episodes? I think that would be a good obsession. But I think <laughs> that, I don't know, the last these last four albums or last four episodes, I guess. You got Talking um, Book by Stevie Wonder, which is yeah. a reverse, which is more Stevie Wonder had to do with Prince. Well, Prince has his but fingerprints then we had on TV everything. On the radio. Right? We have this yeah. album. We have yeah. the other Foo Fighters stuff. Yeah. I, maybe Prince is just everywhere. Plenty of artists probably draw inspiration from him. Or as listeners, we connect things yeah. to Prince. Yeah. But yeah, I get that. I get that all over this album, too, uh, along with a few others that smacked me in the face. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, before we go any further, I want us to guess one very simple thing, and we can make it pretty much a yes or no question. I think we have to make it a yes or no question. But I want us to guess if the other liked this album or not. So liked as in, like, it's their favorite or just liked? Just good album, not good album. Okay. Can't. No uh, explanations, no yeah buts, or, well, see, the thing is, is you just have to give a simple yes or no. Sven, I'm guessing that if you had to give a definitive yes or no answer on if you like this album or not, I am going to say that yes, you did. Honestly, I went back and forth on this because there's so much about this album I could see you not liking or liking that you're just such a fucking positive person. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. I just think that you have a hard time saying you don't like things. So that's. Yeah. <laughs> I just wouldn't say no. Okay. Okay. I wrote down this answer a couple days ago. Uh huh. My answer is no, but I have a feeling you're going to change we'll my mind. We'll see. How much did you listen to this album? Okay. So it was the only thing we listened to in my vehicles. Been listening on Spotify up in the living room, and then also sometimes at work, I need to get my ears on something else, mm-hmm. like a palate cleanser for your ears after you've been mixing for a while. Yeah, it sounds like you listen to it a lot. Yeah, I tried to. I did find. I'll, I'll reveal that right now. This is a great album just for that, for passive listening in the background with your kids, because. At least my kids both really liked it. I will <laughs> tell you that. If you ask them, it's a, it's a yes. They love this thing. I was going to save that for later, but no, we can go through that now. As far as yeah. my daughter, I will say that there are frequently times where I am, let's say, quote unquote, doing homework for this podcast, which is actually just me listening to music that I want to listen to. Mm-hmm. There are frequently times where the other people in this house are 
annoyed at what I am choosing to listen to. <laughs> this is not one of those albums. So yeah, I definitely feel you on that one. Nice. Just wait till I send you some Harry Parch. That week's going to be brutal on them. I don't even know who Harry Parch is. Oh, ho, ho, ho. I'm sorry, my friend. Then that just got added to a future list. <laughs> is this a... So is Harry Parch a solo artist or uh, with... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a um, side project? I, I guess you would call him avant-garde jazz okay he, he makes where do you interesting where do you put this in music. the and music is a stretch <laughs> oh jesus spend <laughs> and he has albums and he has national grants that funded this so government supported well welcome to verse chorus verse ladies and gentlemen where david really wants punk rock and spend gives him musical <laughs> theory and spend really wants musical theory and david gives him Bad religion. Uh, I'll take bad religion. <laughs> yeah, that was the only. That was a bad example because <laughs> they're some actually good they actually have yeah. some pretty smart. There's some stuff. theory there. Yeah, <laughs> I listen to this album a ton too. I'm not gonna try to save emotions for later or anything like that. I'm just gonna go into it. My opinion changed so often. Yeah. On this album, I had about as hard of a time with this as I did with Joyner Lucas for completely different reasons. With Joyner Lucas, I was trying to. You know, I was going through some weird mental, am I not liking this because I'm this or that? This album, I was just, am I not liking this because this album sucks? <laughs> you know what helped me with that? I took off my Foo Fighters hat, took my Foo Fighters fan shirt off, um, and listened to it as if it was a band I didn't know. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. When I first started listening, there was a little bit of anger there. There was a little <laughs> bit of, dude... You are supposed to be the reliable guys right. of the last 25 Gospel years. Gospel on the first album? Was that, is that like, I swear. <laughs> I was like, nah, 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 yeah. nah, nah, so nah, The very nah, first nah. thing that I'd say about this album, as far as whether I think it's good or not, is th- th- this is not a great album. And it sounds like from what you've already said, you don't think so either. Yeah. Uh, unless I'm completely off guard. But this isn't a great album, right? My my words for it are it feels forced. Yes, it feels Very. forced. They're forcing themselves to try something a little bit different, to try to evolve maybe, or they're like forcing some kind of musical evolution that isn't natural, is not a grand, it's not, Yeah. it's not foo. I have a really hard time with bands trying to comprehend them going into the studio and not thinking, how do we make the perfect album? Mm-hmm. If I'm in a band and I'm going into a studio, that's my thought process is how do we make the perfect album? So it's really hard for me when a band very obviously doesn't do that. And they very obviously didn't do that here. Right. Yeah, it, it, yeah, definitely. It didn't feel like there was a cohesive idea going into the recording. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a lot of this stuff was written as they were recording. Yes. For me, it seems there's there's a couple tracks where it feels really obvious in the drum parts. Or lack of drums. Well, he might <laughs> he might be playing it live, but it loops. Yes. It just loops. Yes. And it's the same damn thing looped. And even if he's playing that live, it very much feels like it's produced like a pop album. Yeah. But isn't there something super depressing about the fact that the Foo Fighters are doing... I mean, if the Foo Fighters are doing that, then what the fuck do we have left? I, yeah, yeah. And this is, I wish we had a phone number for Dave Grohl to be like, hey, not that you have to defend this. You're an artist. Do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. But like, is this what you did? Yeah. Is this exactly, did you go into the yeah. studio and just like, hey, 
Uh, Greg, loop Hawkins' little drum thing that he just did there. All right, cool. Now just like repeat that. Yeah. You know, and what kept coming back <laughs> to me is that times. NPR bit where they were talking about how they didn't, they were trying to spend as little time as possible in the studio, which then after listening to this, my immediate thought, and I kind of still stand by it, is how does that bode well for making a good album? If you're in a fucking hurry to get done with the job, when is that ever going to be done well? Right. The one time I think that it works, if, if it's written and you have nine songs that you've been playing live, it's written, you know, if this was your first album mm-hmm. and these are the nine songs that you've been playing for the last three years, yeah. go in and cut it in a day. I feel like they were trying to write in a hurry. That That's why I picked no for you for this album, because I feel most of all that it was written. The writing was done in a hurry. I know that I'm the guy, I am the, why does this album sound so much like this? And I know that sometimes more than others, I feel like, like Rubble Bucket, for example, I thought that that was more of a parallel thinking. Uh-huh. That was just a good band doing similar things to what other good bands do. But this, there were very specific parts that were, there was just so much, there was so much early 90s prints. And I swear that Making a Fire, he's trying to sound exactly like Lenny Kravitz. Oh, yeah. Lenny, it's not even, I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to rip off Lenny Kravitz, but why would you rip off Lenny Kravitz? And maybe he doesn't even realize he was doing it, but... You you go back and you listen to Making a Fire and you tell me that that shouldn't be on a fucking Lenny Kravitz album. I get that. I totally get that. I I will say that and eventually that was the track that did bring me a little bit around. Oh, I like the song. Once I stopped I thinking do. about it as Foo Fighters, I kind of accepted that whole choir. The na na. Almost like the 70s background singers thing. His daughter sings on. Did you know that? Violet Grohl has credits on this album. 14-year-old daughter with perfect pitch and can sing. So is she one of the female background singers? Here's the story. Don't leave leave your daughter on a couch with a music producer (laughs) alone. Ew. Because this is what happens. I don't think... I think people are going to think it's a true crime podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is the story Dave tells in this interview. Um, he picks up his daughter, Ew. Violet, from school every day. And they're recording in this old house. Like, yeah. you're, you know, mm-hmm. this, this old house in Encinitas. And she sits on the couch and does her homework. So this is happening day after day after day. And, um, you know, they've got all these vocalists coming in to fill out these background vocal parts and these choir parts and stuff. And I guess the producer, Greg Kirsten, one day just turns around to Violet. She's sitting on the couch doing her homework. He's like, hey, you want to lay down like a vocal track or something? And like a teenager, she's just like, yeah, "Yeah, sure, (laughs) whatever. So then I guess Dave Grohl doesn't know this. And sometime later, his accountant calls him up and is like, hey, uh, what do you want me to do with all Violet's money? And he's like, what, what, what are you talking about, Violet? Well, she's on the record. We have to pay her. And Dave is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. we can't give a 14-year-old girl that much money. I think I think he had to put it, like, put it in a bank account till she's 18 or something like that. But That's awesome. Go, Violet. <laughs> All right. I agree. I really like the song. Yeah. I am going to touch more on the female backs later on. But yeah, the mm-hmm. the I love the nanas. Even though this song is very much not a 
Foo Fighters sounding song to me. It's a good song. Right. It's catchy. It's a great first track, like all Foo Fighters albums. It's just, it's I, so Did it catch you off guard? It caught me off guard. Oh, so, yeah. I'm so off guard. It starts with the whole 70s backup, yeah. church choir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Were there any other parts of this album to you that sounded like ripoffs of other bands or things? I've got a couple. Would you guess which song reminded me of Counting Crows? Uh, uh, What's the one that sounds like a fucking late 80s white dude, like John Cougar Mellencamp style Medicine at Midnight? The self-titled one. I I pinned it on Tom Petty. Similar sound. I said Tom Petty. Yeah, Medicine at Midnight. It's seriously right? just that like guitar hook at the very beginning. Yeah, and then the solo and with the with the background. Yes. The, hey, da, ba, 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 ba. Yeah. I picture a middle aged drunk woman totally grooving. That's such a right. that is such a right. bar band song. It totally is. There's also so the track right after that, no son of mine, right? Yes. When they start that, okay, this is like Megadeth. And then they start this like two step like boom cap 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 and I'm like okay now you just turn into rockabilly and it had like fingerprints of for me it was like yeah. Reverend Horton Heat or something just yes. like so no son of mine to me I put in my notes that is Dave Grohl's Ace of Spades yeah the Ace that of Spades yeah the, totally fucking, totally 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 and I know that he's pretty obsessed with Lenny I think he and Lenny were really really close right from, okay from Motorhead I did not know that but. Yeah, this... they were really close. I think he spoke at Lenny's funeral, actually. Uh, but to me, this song was this was this was Dave's Ace of Spades. That I could to me, which awesome. Yeah. yeah. But it's just if I want to hear Ace of Spades, I'll turn on Ace of Spades, yeah. man. You know, Some... I don't. I don't. Um... <laughs> My last one though. So there's a Good. song that I seriously. It was a Temptations melody. Despite what Dave sings, Ooh. I hear alternate lyrics in my head going, "You smile so bright." You should have been a candle the way you do the things you do. UB40 did oh, it. No, it was a Temptations it first. It was a Temptations song. And then song. it was UB40. UB40. Yeah. Rita Coolidge did it. Uh, there a bunch of people did it. The 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 melody for Love Dies Young, it totally Love sounds Dies like, Young. Yes. So bright. God, that's great. That's yeah. a good one, Sven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Which, like there's there's a few that I was just like ah oh, yeah that sounds familiar why okay it's not a cover because you got past the first two lines and then it, it changed but you want to know what the biggest one is for me what's that there is a song on this album that to me could have been pulled right off of we'll say one of the later Dave Matthews albums like Come Tomorrow Ooh. you go back and you listen to Shame Shame yeah and you listen to that. And the acoustic, dun, dun. and then you hear the the picked violin in the back. Uh-huh. That could not be more of a Dave Matthews band song. I totally see that now. Yeah. I totally, yeah. yeah. I, you know what? That's way better than what I had in my head, changing the image of that song <laughs> in my head. Because in my head was, I don't know if you're a Game of Thrones fan, I just pictured Cersei doing the walk of shame. She had to walk through the whole city naked, and there's that. What's funny is I'm the more cynical, tortured artist of the two of us, and I won't watch Game of Thrones. What? I'm if I'm gonna watch a movie is... or something, I don't need to watch the bad guys win everything and stuff. I, like I don't, I don't need that. True. There, there's, they, yeah. Especially when you when you first started watching it, I only got the first half of the first season. Oh. Because there's there's a kid getting thrown out a window. Oh, okay. Yeah. The only 
morally righteous person is going to get his head chopped off. Yeah, it's hard. It's. But, I would say though, like if you can, if you can make it past season four, it's worth it because that's what every. Yeah, <laughs> I do. someday yeah. I'm going to watch the whole thing. I will. And then there's one other ripoff to me, and it's hilarious because I want to know when Josh Holm hears holding poison if he's going to be like. Dave, what the fuck? Did you want queens to just come and be the Foo Fighters now or what? Because that is a goddamn Queens of the Stone Age song. That is not the Foo Fighters. But he, what's funny is that in my notes, right next to the title, I wrote, you could dance to this. Oh, yeah. Like that, that's my only note for that song. You could dance to this. <laughs> I had nothing else to say about it. You know, I don't know if if it's the way it is when you sit down and you listen to a vinyl, but I did not like this album at all. Not once until I sat down with a drink and listened to it on vinyl. And then I was like, yeah, Uh, okay. So you're saying the vinyl master is better than the digital master? No, 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 no. Because no, no. It's not. It's just my least favorite songs in this album will say a song like, chasing birds i Uh don't want anything to do with it but then when i'm sitting down and i'm having a drink (laughs) like all right this is okay what you were talking about tonight i was hanging out i was gonna listen to it one last time i'm making dinner you know i'm making a seafood stew i'm cutting uh you know fennel and i'm doing this and i'm doing that and i've got this album in the background that is when this album is good (laughs) i'm just kind of bobbing my head chopping some whatever it's a good passive listening yeah my daughter's dancing that is when this album is good it's when you're not really listening to it i don't know i celebrate stuff like that if i ever made music and that's all it's ever good for for that reason i'd be thrilled i don't know if if the foo fighters feel the same way but it's funny you say chasing chasing birds because i also i could do without on the album but yeah it actually has my favorite snare drum it's sound cool. and I, after i just got telling you that like i i mixed snare drum i mixed the snare for three hours this week i was almost trying to get to sound like the snare drum on chasing birds i don't really like the song but it does it has cool stuff yes. in it i know exactly what part you're talking about i like that i like towards the end they have this kind of almost Enya female background mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thing going on. Do you do you know the band Mew? M-E-W? Uh-uh. So there's an album from them that's going to be one of the next albums I give you. All right. We're trading Harry Parch for Mew. Let's do it. But yeah, the song is just kind of... It, there's a lot of songs in here that are just like, really? Like, this is what you decided to put on your album? Yeah, it felt like it was like, I need a ballad. I'm going to force it out. Exactly. Yeah. I get playing this up when you're camping or for some buddies or if you're at a concert and you're like, hey, we got this song that we, you know, but there's a lot of this album that I don't really think that they were putting it all into. I do notice that Chasing Birds strategically is positioned as second to the last song. I'm wondering if they felt the same way about it too. Yeah. Right before Love Dies Young, which is the last song, which, yeah, I hear the Temptations thing you were talking about. I heard more of a, you can hear a guitar, um, who did it remind me of? English beat. Oh my God. Old 80s guitar in the background. A little brighter. But... Even Love Dies Young, it's not... I like the breakdown in it. Yeah. I don't know. I I think we're probably both on the same page with this album because it was not what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. And like we've we've both talked about how great it is to just passively have this on in the background. 
I'll say, though, that there's a couple of, I don't know, Waiting on a War is probably one that I, I kind of actively like to listen to, and I'm not really sure why, because it, with everything else that's on the album, it doesn't really stand out that much when you look at everything, but I found that the most interesting to just close my eyes and try to pay attention to. The background singers are doing really well again in that yeah, one. Yeah, I don't See, Waiting on a War annoyed me because... I feel like if you're going to write a song like Waiting on a War, you should have something to say. And I don't feel like he said anything. Uh. The lines that he's saying, yeah, you know, the since I was a boy with a toy gun. If you're going to write a song that is so blatantly we are the world-ish, if this is your, and I'm not being political, but if this is your anti-Trump song or whatever, then make it your fucking anti-Trump right. song. How am I? There you go, see, wanting wanting lyrics to, like, mean something and have some kind of... You're a poet, man, and that's what I love about you. (laughs) I love being subversive with lyrics. I do. But if you are going to write a song like this, which I would never have the balls to do, so kudos to him. Yeah. But if you're going to write a song like this, say what you're going to say. Agreed. Although I do, once again, I like the breakdown. You know, I like the chords that they picked. It was one of the more interesting things to listen to on this album for me instrumentally i shouldn't say musically instrumentally yeah i can see this that was one of the more interesting. and then really the only other song that we haven't even talked about is cloud spotter which to me is a complete ripoff of early 90s prince aha that should be on the cream album i need to look up the lyrics to this because what is he saying where it's like something guillotine, guillotine queen is yeah. that the word he, is yeah guillotine? who pronounces guillotine guillotine nobody pronounces it like that Swing, swing, guillotine queen. Swing it from the left to the right. Bang, bang, bang. You're so mean, but don't we look good? Don't we look good? I, he's dating a bitch, but she's hot. So is that what he's saying? Yeah, see, it's it's stuff like that. that that's why I pick no for you. <laughs> as far as just straight up review on this, I don't have that much more to say. I mean, in the end, I think it's true that the saving grace for this album is that my daughter loves dancing to it. I'll say it now. You are correct. My answer to this would be no. No on this album. No. This might be, with the exception of maybe uh, Nothing Left to Lose, the only Foo Fighters album. Not Nothing Left to Lose. uh, Sonic Highways. This might be the only Foo Fighters album that I kind of actively don't like. Uh You know how you turn on certain albums and you're trying to force yourself to like it? Yeah. There's something that just kind of inherently pisses me off about this album. You heard it here first, folks. Medicine at Midnight is the Foo Fighters kids album. Dave does not like it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Similarly, my kids love it. I'll say like, I will throw this on just around the house, whatever I'm doing. So do you like, are you a yes or a no on this album? I'm a yes on this one. I am giving it a thumbs up. If I was going to introduce someone to the Foo Fighters as a band, uh, this is not the album I would start them off with. But like I said, when I take off my Foo Fighters listening ears, I dig it. No, I get it. I dig it. Sven and I were right about each other's opinions on this album. We are really starting to get the feel of each other's opinions. Uh, Basically, it just boils down to I'm a... a old curmudgeon <laughs> and you are still a loving person <laughs> not yeah. at all that's our basic review on this we still want to do the awards and categories so we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back to answer some more in-depth questions
We are back. We're back. Okay, so beers have been cracked. We are ready to do the awards and categories for this album. Uh, Medicine at Midnight by the Foo Fighters. I am going to start with a simple question of uniqueness. I think we kind of already covered this. Oh, yeah. Dead horse. That's perfect. Yes, <laughs> it's, I would agree with that. Influences, influencees. I just keep print. I hear Prince. so much prints. Tom Petty, some Temptations. Yeah. Uh, fine Wine or Skunk Beer Award. I'll start this. In the world of pop, I actually think this will do pretty well oh yeah when i hear stuff that reminds me of other things i think we often talk about it in like a negative but there's times where it's 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 actually positive for me mm -hmm. i like things that are familiar especially in like a party setting yeah i have a feeling like foo fighters fans rock aficionados there's gonna be people that are ripping this to shreds on reviews right now i'm really excited i've been avoiding the reviews as well i'm excited to go read some reviews tomorrow because i have a feeling there's gonna be some really good goods and some really bad bads. Um, I feel like people that are new to Foo Fighters are going to like it. For sure. Which And that's a thing that bands like Foo Fighters have to deal with, too, is when you're around for 25 years, you've got your people that are at the concert screaming for Everlong, but then you've got your people there screaming for Run. Right. You've got two, right. almost three, completely different generations of yeah. people. How do you bridge that gap? Yeah, I, I agree. Never mind the Bullocks Award. Uh, this is nowhere near their best album. Right? No, no, <laughs> no. The, the John Paul Jones Award. The only thing that I could think of, for some reason I kept... Let me guess. Let me guess. Carter Beaufort on Shame. <laughs> Shame. It wouldn't have been a fucking difference. Hawkins was basically playing Carter Beaufort. <laughs> the only difference would have been is there would have been a, a okay. big black smiling guy chewing gum. <laughs> chewing which, yeah, bubble that's gum. That's way, way better. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I kept wanting it on this album, but I wanted a low female voice on this album. Mm. The one that kept coming to mind is Shirley Manson from Garbage. Wow. That kept popping That's up That's a my really head. good one now that you say it. John Paul Jones Award. If, if I could... Is Pat Smear still in the band at this point? He is. But that said, uh, it's not very Pat Smear. -y. It's not. I guess that's my thing. Could I get more Pat? So your John Paul Jones Award is somebody that's actually in the band. Yeah. I like that a I mean, lot. is that, is that legit? Awesome. Can I do that? <laughs> Just dirty grunge. Give me some punk rock. All right. Uh, the John Popper Award. You got a best hook for this album? It's one that somebody else wrote? <laughs> I, not, I, I, I don't know. Not, not really. I think the things I like about this album aren't the hooks. You. So I'm going to answer for you because we already talked about it, and it's one of my favorites too. It's the it's the na nas yeah. in the very first yeah. song. Eddie Van Halen Award. The only I have. I really really like the orchestrals in yes shame shit. What is it? Shame shame or in waiting on a, waiting war, on a war and shame shame. Those I really like the orchestrals. I'll, I'll agree. That might get credited, even though they have like one, two, three, four, they have five, like five or six other string players. I believe we get to give credit to Greg Kirsten for that. Surfer Rosa Award? No, I see. It's a, it's all. Yeah, I don't even really see A B. There's no difference. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, me too. Me too. Time of Your Life Award. Sven, what is the worst song on this album? Can you guess? I kind of want you to guess. Uh, I think you're going to say Chasing Birds. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Even though I'm, I'm, I'm still obsessed with the drum sounds on that. I don't know why it's something so chill, but yes, I would say that for you. We're both right. Yeah. Yeah. It's chasing birds. And just like the snare thing, I like what they do at the end with this Enya thing. When you're saying that, you're, you might kind of be in trouble. No offense to Enya. Okay. I, I, I dig me some Enya, but do you, you know, I kind of do. I kind of want the Orinoco to flow every now and then. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Good. Thought you didn't smoke weed. I don't. I do other things. <laughs> so let's get to the three best songs on the album. And this is actually, I'm actually interested to hear about this. Let's do them together. I'm going to start with my third favorite song on this album, which honestly could be interchanged with a bunch of uh-huh. other mess songs. But my third favorite song on this album is Cloud Spotter. That's my third favorite. What's your third wow. favorite? Wow. Wow. Okay. That surprised me. You know how I compared it to early 90s Prince? Prince, yeah. Well, I like early 90s Prince. Yeah, me too. Okay, I I think my third favorite is probably Love Dies Young, last track on the whole deal. I call out where I hear similarities to other artists, but sometimes that's a positive. I like early 90s Prince, and you like The Temptations and The the English Beat. Yeah, I totally get it. Uh, yeah. My second favorite song on this is Making a Fire, the number one track, mm. which we've talked about plenty. What is your second favorite? Medicine at Midnight. So the title track. Really? I probably have more negative things to say than positive. Yeah. But in the end, the overwhelming feeling, I put it at number two. To me, it's a Tom Petty thing, and I love Tom Petty. It, like, it I, does. I, um, There's something about that whole trashy, twangy, black velvet sort of... I, I get it. I mean, I am talking Tom Petty here. <laughs> exactly. And every yeah. time you go to a pool hall... <laughs> yeah. um, my number one favorite song on this album is Holding Poison. I really, really like that song, actually. Mm. Even though it's a complete Queens of the Stone Age ripoff, the drums kind of got a... I think it's blocks, upbeat. Yeah, like I said, my notes. You could dance to the song. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's the whole album. You could dance to the album, but okay. Mine is Making a Fire, right? How did you know? Of course. <laughs> it's Making a Fire. I didn't even have to say it. We're so smart, you and I. I, I think um, the the na-na-na-na-na's got me. It, it's it's the that it's cool. gospel it's thing. really cool i like it's that huge part. and yes. it caught me off guard and it made me say what the f and it made me uncomfortable and then it made me have to listen to it again and i like it and i get it svend for you who won this album i'm gonna say and this is a smart ass comment the listener <laughs> if you gave this album a chance because i have a feeling that I'm going to go and look at reviews tomorrow and see a billion people shitting all over this album. So if you're a Foo Fighters fan and you gave it a chance, you're the hero because I believe <laughs> that there there's a lot to love that perhaps is being disregarded. If I have to pick someone, you know, uh, God, that's a hard you don't. one. You don't. <laughs> it's, it's easier to credit all the fucking listeners. Violet, Violet. You did an awesome job on making a fire. I would love to hear more from you. That ties into my who won the (laughs) album, and that is the female background vocals. Chasing a bird's ending with the whole Enya thing I was talking about. The na-na's are making a fire. Waiting on a war has this small little six-note thing, three-fourths in. Love Dies Young has a breakdown three-fourths in. There are so many little backup female parts 
and every single one of them are fucking epic on this album. So good yeah. job. That's my who won this album. Good job to the listeners and the females that sing. So we got two more things that we're going to do here for this review. So I'm sorry. I lied. We've got three more things. The number one thing we're going to do is we're going to rate this album. I'll go ahead and go first. Take a little bit of pressure off, Sven. Thank you. I am giving this album five out of ten Coors Lights. This is about as middle of the road as it can get. This is, is this the Coors Light of Foo Fighters albums? It might be. Oh, dude. That's a new measurement. Do I ever think... Oh my God, I really need a Coors Light? No. But if I'm going to go party, am I going to turn down a Coors Light? Fuck no. In fact, half the time, I'm probably bringing Coors Light. So that is my rate. I think it's the perfect middle of the road, five out of 10. That is how I rate this album. Sven, what about you? I'm pretty close to the same page you're on. I think I'm maybe like seven out of 14 PBRs. I like it. It's that's very similar. I disagree because when I think PBR, I think it's a little more punky, but that's okay. So we both went about halfways. Very good taste. We're both a little bit different of opinions, but in the end, we kind of end up at the same place. Uh, One of us is just a lot more positive than the other is. So I've got two more things I want to do. And the first thing that we're going to do is I am going to read you the rankings that you put the albums in last time, and I want you to tell me where this album goes for you in the Foo Fighter oh, Jesus albums. Jesus Christ. You mean the rankings from, like, the drunk recording? Our, our blackout <laughs> ranks. So your number one album for the Foo Fighters was Wasting Light, which that was both of ours. We were, we love that album. It's a fucking epic album. If you haven't right. listened to that album, how dare you? So you had Wasting Light, then you went down Color in the Shape, and then you have one by one as your third, in your honor as your fourth. You have the self-titled, the demo. Then you went concrete and gold. Then you went there is nothing left to lose. Yep. And then Sonic Highways and Patience, Grace, Ambivalence, Hardship. I don't remember what it was. I put this one one above the first album. One above what we were calling the demo. Oh, but like so the you above halfway. This is their fifth best album for you. Yes. Damn, that's fucking high. Yes. My list went Wasting Light. Then I went Concrete and Gold. That was the only real huge difference for us is I love Concrete and Gold. And you're, it was pretty far down there for you. It was a couple more down, yeah. Echoes, Silence, Working and Bread. I don't, whatever. In Your Honor, (laughs) One by One, Color in the Shape, Self-Titled, There's Nothing Left to Lose, then Sonic Highways. So Medicine for Midnight, that is going right above Sonic Highways, and that's it. I was going to say that, right above Sonic. It's my second to least favorite album of theirs. I just, kind of what I said at the beginning, there are there are good songs on this, but there's something about this album that I actively dislike. Here's a weird surprise question for you, because I, I feel like... You're not supposed to do that to me. I'm supposed to do that to you. Concrete and Gold has some similarities to this same producer uh and maybe that's it maybe it's the same producer what makes the difference between this and concrete and gold concrete and gold fucking rocks dude (laughs) concrete and gold i see a pop producer that said oh shit i have to make a rock album this album i see a rock band that went to a pop producer that said hey 
make this a pop album. Ah, That's kind of the big difference. That dude, I, see. I think it, out yeah. of anything else in this whole, you just hit the nail on the head right there. I think that's the best. <laughs> that's probably I'm, the best summary. I'm a really smart guy, Sven. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> we are we are capping off our Foo Fighters talk. I have a feeling that I don't really see us being able to talk about Foo Fighters much until, what, three years later when they come out with another album. So... I want to end with a couple questions. Number one being a more obvious one, top five favorite bands, which is something that we're going to get into very, very soon. And I also have the Mount Rushmore. Mm -hmm. The Mount Rushmore is your four bands that are the gods of music. Are the Foo Fighters on either of those for either of us. And we're going to do this every time we do a dissecting the band. For me, it's a definite no. As far as Mount Rushmore, there's probably somewhere in the 60s, 70s. And then top five bands of all time, they're just not. They're just not a favorite of mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about you, Sven? Okay, so Foo Fighters probably might might make the number five in my top five bands. Of your favorite bands? Of my favorite bands. Holy fuck. That's huge. We might not be done talking about them. We might be talking about them in three weeks or we'll something see. like that. Definitely Mount Rushmore, I'm taking is far more inclusive, not even close. So you know what? I'm going to let this question go unanswered because in three weeks, I think in three weeks, we are going to do an episode where we talk about our top five favorite bands of all time. Yeah. And we will find out then, while Sven has a little more time to think about it, if the Foo Fighters are something that we're going to talk about in that that episode. The only thing that we have left to do, rate the band. Yes. And I will start. This band is the epitome of a 7 out of 10 for me. They are never going to be remembered as a Beatles or a Rush or a, you know, some sort of niche or anything like that. They are never going to be remembered as a bad band. Nobody's ever going to say, dude, the Foo Fighters fucking sucked. What about you, Sven? I think I'm right along that same scale. Seven and a half out of ten. I can't give them an eight. I I can go with seven. If we're closing out the Foo Fighters, Everlong is the Foo Fighters. Oh, that's a good... I'm adding that to our band dissections. If there was one song that you had to say completely encapsulates the Foo Fighters, what is that? And your answer is Everlong? Yeah. So my answer, as much as I want to say one by one, because that's my favorite song of theirs. It's one of my favorite songs of all time, but I'm Mm -hmm. going Monkey Wrench. The ending that you can't get in in one breath if you really scream. Specifically people of our generation, everybody's going to have very, very specific memories that correlate with that song. So Monkey Wrench and Everlong, I completely agree. That's perfect. So that is it for episode 4.2. Come back next week when VCV, we have our first guest. Yeah! Pretty excited for that. What are we covering? We needed a third person to cover 365 days of nostalgia as we attempt to tackle our first entire year of music. It's going to be good. Firstcoursefirst.com. 
make sure to download episodes, uh, review episodes, do everything you can to keep us going. We're already getting a little bit of feedback and uh, from people, and it's just it makes me so happy. Extremely honored. Yeah, hit us up, folks. Sven, as always, it's been a pleasure. Of course. We'll see you for some very interesting and exciting talk next week. Your side.